Smartcast. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It needs to be brought to the table and discussed openly, transparently, built upon trust, so that there is a um, a way forward that really drives that employee-centric uh, engagement and ultimately those experiences that then drive high performance. Hi, and welcome to Deep Leadership. I'm your host, John Rennie. Well, I hope all is well with you today. It is another beautiful day here in North Carolina, and this episode is brought to you by our sponsors, Jeremy Clevenger Fitness and the Sasquatch Flag Company. Both of these sponsors help me bring these shows to you each and every week, so I encourage you to click on their links below and check them out. I have another great show lined up for you today, but before we get started, I just want to remind you to check out the leadership books I've written on either Amazon or my website, johnsrennie.com. This year, I'm offering a new way to purchase all of my books for a discount. I bundled the books into what I call the Qualified Watchstander series, and you get all three books for 15% off the individual prices. This offer is only available on my website, so check it out if you're looking to step up your leadership game this year. Also, I wanted to remind you that Deep Leadership is ranked as a top 100 management podcast in the U.S., and I wanted to thank each and every one of you for listening in each week and sharing these episodes with your friends. You have helped this podcast grow into a top-performing show, so thank you very much. Well, that is it. Today, we're going to be talking about how to lead change efforts in 2023. My guest is Stuart Andrews. He is the author of The Leadership Shift, How to Lead Successful Transformations in the New Normal. Stuart helps us understand the unique challenges of leading teams in this post-pandemic business environment. This was an enlightening conversation that I know will be helpful to your leadership journey. So are you ready to dive in? Let's get started. Welcome to Deep Leadership. Leadership is a people business. That's the philosophy of your podcast host, John Rennie. As a former Cold War submarine officer who spent 20 plus years leading businesses in corporate America before starting his own manufacturing business, he knows that leadership matters. Leadership matters. Are you ready for some real world actionable advice from John as well as his expert guests? I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. The show starts right now. Welcome to the Deep Leadership Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Stuart Andrews. Stuart is a high-performance leadership coach who specializes in corporate restructuring and organizational transformations. He has more than 20 years of program management experience, leading complex projects and large-scale transformation programs. He is the author of The Leadership Shift, How to Lead Successful Transformations in the New Normal, and I am excited to have him on the show to talk about leading change in 2023. So, Stuart, welcome to the show. 
Thanks, John. Appreciate the intro. Yeah, it's a great to meet you, and I'm, I'm really excited to talk about this subject um, because it the, the new normal, we're going to talk about that, is, is certainly different than what it was even, even five years ago. But uh, before we get into that, I just want to uh, talk to you a little bit about your background. How did you get into project, uh, I'm sorry, program management, and uh, how did that lead into eventually uh, leadership coaching? Nice, excellent. Yeah, um, it, it fascinates me as well because I, I never, you know, uh, thought that one day I'll be doing what I'm doing right now. And so, um, yeah, it's it's interesting how things evolve. Um, look, I, I first started off as a developer, actually, uh, you know, graduated with computer science. And and then I quickly learned that um, I think I'm a bit uh, more effective and, and better working with people than I am with computers. So uh, I started to focus my efforts on business analysis and project management and sort of the way through into program management and leading large-scale transformation, sort of, you know, transformation director uh, and, and working up through there. And I guess, um, you know, as I then continued dealing a lot with the C-suite and, and, and senior leaders and sponsors of organisations, I started to look at the impact of leadership and, and those uh, relationships between how do you build high-performing teams and what are the good behaviours that we need to actually have in an organisation? So naturally developed into sort of helping the, and coaching those leaders. And then obviously started to carve out the actual leadership coaching to, you know, uh, focus on building high-performing teams and what are the key competencies and areas of, you know, uh, leaders need to focus on to really get those um, high-performing teams. And that that really what excites me and gets me out of bed every morning. Mm, excellent. You know, it's funny. We've had a lot of guests come on the show. And so they talk about the same thing as I didn't expect to be doing what I do now. Yeah. But I love what I do. I found my passion and uh, yeah. I love working with leaders. And it sounds like you've had that similar journey. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, yeah, so excited to sort of, you know, um, add value on today's show and, and sort of share some insights uh, with stories uh, together that we can collaborate on and look at those learnings and um, you know obviously add, add add value to your listeners how fantastic so you've got uh you've got a book out it's called um the leadership shift sorry leadership shift i said i'm not gonna mess <laughs> it up but i did mess it up <laughs> leadership shift how to lead successful transformations in the new normal uh, so tell us about the book. Uh, why did you write it and who was it for? Sure. I, I wanted to uh, obviously help leaders in, in, in the most um, you know effective way. And obviously you can't jump on a show like this um, constantly. And I thought, well, how do I bring the collective experience over these you know 20 plus years into some insights and, and stories that, you know, that I've... Um, you know, obviously being part of and the journey that I've been part of and share those insights with, with, with leaders. It's ultimately targeted at leaders of in organizations. And But, you know, one of the Amazon reviews that I got was it was quite interesting because it was about, you know what, I could use this for my own personal life. So I, I, think, um, I think for anyone who's dealing with change, uh, this book can help them out, right? And it gives you a lot of context around, you know, going from – discussing things like operational strategy, customer experience, putting, you know, in your employees first. And, you know, we talk about terms like strategic use of the teams and how do you look at long-term vision and and what, what actually drives 
uh, high-performing teams ultimately. So I wanted to bring all of that together in, in some form or medium, and, and a book was, ult- was ultimately the, the, the right choice here in this example. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I just uh, wanted to share the story. Excellent. Yeah, I'm glad you did. And and so one of the things, you know, I've there's a lot been a lot of books written on um, and a lot of theories on change leadership, change management. But what I love about this one is you're saying how to do it in the new normal, which is interesting. So what does the new normal look like for leaders these days? And what are some of the leadership challenges that we face as leaders in 2023? Yeah, it's a good question, uh, John. And I think if I if I start with uh, going back to about you know 2010 and 11, I was working at um, large telco here in Australia, and you know it started to hit me that you know I, I was struggling with the concept of uh, a hybrid or remote workforce. Right, I was trying to get leaders to understand and appreciate the value. There was some unique opportunities where the organization could significantly cut uh, costs and ultimately uh, provide employees with the flexibility of where they get their work done and how they get it done, right? And this is a a topic at the moment. It's quite a contentious topic. It doesn't matter where you look. There's still that sort of tension between those that are trying to say, uh, you know, productivity only occurs in the office or around the water cooler, for example, or... um, and then there's obviously the other side of the argument, which says, no, I can be productive from wherever I wherever I work, right? And so, um, you know, this new normal is all about focusing on the employee. If I peel it back at its core, you know, we've gone from, you know, industrial revolution, focusing on productivity and focusing on, um, you know, performance metrics and, you know, very tangible business financial metrics to now realizing uh, it still needs a lot of work to realizing that at, at the heart, at the core, is the employee. And if I can maximize the value of um, having such diverse, unique experiences, insights um, at, at, you know, at that employee level and ultimately looking after them from a comprehensive well-being overview, then ultimately all the rest will follow. And so the new normal is about really uh, taking that experience, or I should say that point of view with putting the employee at the heart of every, um, you know, every decision that the organization takes. And then, uh, you know, looking at all the other topics that are evolving, because there's always going to be something new, you know, we're dealing with chat GPT right now, how do we embed that in the organization? Ultimately, again, it comes down to not necessarily the tools and the processes. It's about how do we benefit or how do the employees benefit with this technology? You know, we're looking at universities today and they're, you know, they're starting to go, well, you know what, I can't, you know, I can't deal with this, you know. We thought we're going to go back and force them to do pen and paper. We're starting to see universities embrace chat GPT, you know, and, and so the technology has come and there always will be something new. But again, it's about, you know, focusing on the employee to begin with, Um and, and then sort of, you know, moving forward from there. Yeah, yeah. I, I couldn't agree more. I think that I think you're you're spot on with where the focus needs to be right now. You know, I think about some of the original, you know, theories and processes and change management all, you know, kind of exploded in the 1990s with all these, all these, you know, leading change and all these uh, you know, great programs that were developed because 
the world it was changing quicker than the old systems would allow for. And so we had to sort of document how we lead change effectively, right? But we're in a new normal. And, and like you said, it's an employee-centric normal. Employees, there's no, uh, there's no stigma attached to leaving you know, a company. You know, if you, if you have if you have six jobs by the time you're 28, it's no big deal, right? Yes, it's that's no, right. They're going to go, people will go where they're uh, celebrated, not where they're just tolerated. And so we as leaders now have to create an environment where people can bring their best to work every day and they can achieve their lifelong dreams and, and, and also help the company achieve their goals at the same time. It's definitely much more, much more of a difficult process than a top-down managed organization. However, if you can bring all that wisdom, right, to, to the, to, you know, to the organization and the decisions that are being made, you're going to be much more effective bringing all that collective wisdom of your team uh, to these. So, so it's, it's a challenging time, but it's also a great opportunity as well. But you have to realize that things are not the same as they were 10 years ago. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's, uh, it's, a, it, it's, um, it's a difficult challenge. It's not. It's not a simple one. And I think maybe in, in some cases, um, as leaders, because it's so difficult, we tend not to like focus on it. Like that's just too complicated. Oh, what does it mean? I've got to bring culture into this process. And and sometimes it doesn't look tangible. You know, it's not as easy to say, "Hey, I'm purchasing this system. I'm going to deploy it. I'm going to put the processes around it, and it's going to deliver X for me." Right. So that's a very uh, objective way of being able to look at you know, the results of, of, of an implementation. Whereas when you're dealing with employees and you're putting it at the heart and centre, as, um, as you said as well, John, then it becomes a lot more difficult to look at what does is, what is a high-performing team actually look like? What, is it, what does it mean? And how does that turn into results that I could put on a PowerPoint presentation that I could share to the board, for example? Yeah. We've been trained in all the hard skills and a lot of what we're talking about are the soft skills of dealing with with people and emotions and feelings. And, you know, uh, like, for example, in, in any change effort, there's it's a high level of emotion. Uh, people don't like change, right? And people are going to yeah. resist change. Yep. And, and, uh, and but, but an effective leader is going to deal with the emotions of the moment. And these are soft skills that we're not trained in. You go to a typical MBA program, you learn about accounting, you learn about marketing, you learn about operations and, and legal and moral and these sort of things. But you don't learn about psychology. You don't learn about, yeah. you know, people and how they, you know, because yeah. people, you know, I say often that people are messy and they're going to do things that you don't expect, right? But yeah. that's actually normal. <laughs> and and, yeah. and and resistance to change and emotional reactions to change are a normal part of human existence. And we as leaders have got to learn, we got to get trained up in these things because this is really where, the rubber meets the road now and the way in this new normal, as far as I, you know, is, is that what you're see, seeing as well? Yeah, absolutely. And it has to give, um, has to give room for healthy debates because those debates, they can't sit in an area of uh, it's too complicated or it's too difficult. It needs to be brought to the table and discussed openly, transparently, built upon trust so that there is a, um, a way forward that really drives that employee-centric uh, engagement and ultimately those experiences that then drive high performance. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I, I like what you said in the book. You said that leaders should be asking more questions 
than they tell, and they need to yeah. listen more than they command. Why is that, and what does that look like? Yeah, that's a uh, controversial one, but it's <laughs> a, a very... Um, it's so true, John, just because of the experiences that I've seen, right? So, you know, we've been in organizations where there's that command and control mentality. And unfortunately, uh, you know, w- without trust, without transparency, without listening to the experts in the room who could be all the way down to the front line, you could start to see the results of poor decision-making, um, executing on the wrong uh, strategy effectively because it hasn't been defined correctly. Uh, you know, there's there's a number, or, or I should say, a plethora of issues that will come from not listening, especially to those who are closest to your your customers, right? The, those who are really there at the front line, who know what's going on, who know what their issues are, and it could be as simple as empowerment, right? If you don't understand what's happening at the front line in your contact center, you're not listening to what the complaints that are coming from customers because the information that's coming to you uh, in a presentation, let's say, has, I guess, a hidden agenda or has um, concealed the truth, then the decisions that you as a leader will make are going to be incorrect and ultimately uh, lead, I guess, poor experiences for those employees, right? Because you have a number of employees in the organization that will say, well, we're not solving the right problem or we're not focusing our efforts in the right areas, uh, etc." So it's important to actually get the insights from those who are closest to the issue or, you know, the, you know, the, the customer uh, insights that are, that are being provided. And they need to be shaping the conversations inside the organisation, not the other way around. You know, you ultimately hire you know, you hire your experts because you want them to tell you what to do, not so that you can tell the expert, you know, what it is that you think is best. Mm, wow. That is really powerful. And you, like you said, it's turning it's turning things upside down because it was always, you know, you want to have the right leader. You have this, you have this, you know, we have this caricature of a leader that has all the answers and he's going to direct the whole organization. And, and, and I've always thought that you're you were limited to the to to the experience and the knowledge of that one leader when you have a when you have a program like that or you have you have a structure like that, but when you involve key employees that are interfacing with customers all day long and you get their input, you're going to have a much you're going to make much better decisions, much more informed decisions versus trying to make decisions in a conference room miles away from where the problem where the where the customers are or the actual values added. So we've got to get out there. I just heard um the new CEO of Chili's, it's a restaurant chain in the US. I don't know if it's over there. Yeah, I know. Yeah. But uh he is he's basically making the news because he's spending time in his restaurants talking to his his cooks and his servers and he's asking him yeah. what what's working well? What what do I we need to change? And he's making decisions based on the frustrated employees that have not been listened to for decades. And and he's yeah. and he's making financial numbers by doing it, you know? And it seems basic to me and it seems simple to me, but it seems to be lost on a lot of leaders today. Why do you think that is? Why do you think we still hold on to that command and control, captain of the ship, I'll give the orders, you listen to the orders kind of mindset? It's a great question. And I really do think that it comes down to a culture of trust. Is trust actually there in the organization or not? Uh, 
And if trust is not there, then leaders will be protective of the information that's going up. You'll find that there'll be hidden agendas and you'll find that, um, you know, you can't share the truth ultimately because there's going to be a ramification somewhere along the line, right? And I've been in those meetings uh, many times before uh, preparing uh, an executive steerco report that the, you know that's looking at the progress of various initiatives, and you're being told no, we can't say that, or you can't, you can't tell the truth. You know what I mean? You just can't. You can't say it's red because of the following delays. Or actually, that's a bit too straight to the point. You know, now let's let's try and rephrase that sentence. Let's try and say a different message. And you know, by the time it gets to the CEO, right? then ultimately what's actually being presented is not an accurate reflection of what's going on. So how can they make the right decisions? Yeah. But then again, the question goes back to all the way to the top to say, well, are you empowering your leaders to actually go and dig for the truth? Or is there uh, a structure that, that says, you know what, if you stuff up, if you make a mistake, then you're in trouble. Whether you're impacted financially, uh, or you're not going to get your bonus, or whether you're impacted from a career progression, or whether you're impacted because your peers aren't going to look at you in the same way because there's a mistake that happened in your space, any one of those, or even other uh, other other sort of um, implications, come to the table, right? And so ultimately, it comes down to trust. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Leadership skills are like any other skills. You need to practice them to get better at them. Best-selling leadership author John S. Rennie knows this. That's why he's written a new book called You Have the Watch. It's a guided journal for leaders designed to take you through an entire year of leadership training. By the end of the year, you will master 50 of the most important leadership skills. If you want to have a greater impact on the results and people in your organization, go to youhavethewatch.com and pick up your copy today. This episode is brought to you by Jeremy Clevenger Fitness. As a high-performing leader, you know that leadership isn't about telling people what to do. It's about leading by example. And for most people, the one area that they're lacking when it comes to leading by example is their health and fitness. By improving your health and fitness, every other area of your life improves. But how do you get and stay fit as a busy leader? Well, you do what you've always done. You hire the best person for the job. Don't struggle on your own. Put Jeremy Clevenger on your team. Jeremy will work with you to take your physique, mindset, nutrition, habits and more to the next level with his step-by-step all-inclusive coaching program. Now I've worked with Jeremy for the past year and I'm in the best shape of my life. If you want to step up your game, reach out to Jeremy at apexperformancesystems.com to find out more and get your initial consultation scheduled with him today. This episode is brought to you by the Sasquatch Flag Company. The Sasquatch Flag Company is a family-owned business in New England that builds hand-carved American flags from seasoned white pine. Each flag is hand-built, and each star on the flag is hand-hammered and chiseled. No two flags are alike. They offer a variety of flag designs to honor the police, military, firefighters, dispatchers, and search and rescue personnel, to name a few. These stunning handmade flags look great in an office, a studio, the back porch, or above the fireplace mantle. They make the perfect gift for the veteran, first responder, or patriot in your life. Now, I love these flags, and I've been giving them as gifts for years, and I was a customer long before they became a sponsor of the show. I can't recommend them enough, so if you're looking for that perfect, uniquely American make gift to give away or if you want to treat yourself go to sasquatchflags.com and get your order in today we as leaders we 
we set the standard, right? So if if people fear giving us honest information because we know we'll blow up and their jobs might be jeopardized because of it, you know, we're we're a shoot the messenger kind of uh, organization, then they're going to hide the bad news and you're only going to hear the good news and you never get yeah. that accurate picture. So we create the environment by the way we react to, to bad news or the way we react to stressful situations is it's like, well, don't, don't tell Rennie that because he'll he'll fly off the handle, right? So we've just established the culture by how we react to bad news. And and exactly. so we create an area where there's mistrust, right? I'm not telling them that. You tell them that. <laughs> like I'm gonna I'm gonna lose my job if I if I if yeah. share this yeah. news. And so I think if you're especially now when we're moving so fast and change is a normal part of the way we do business these days. You have got to have an open and transparent culture, and you have to be able to share the good news and the bad news. And and there cannot be an emotional reaction. It cannot be a, you know, a fear if you want to get the real truth and the real details to make the right decisions. I always tell my employees, don't spin the information when you give it to me. I might have to spin it going up, but don't spin it to me because then it's double spun, and then, then I don't I don't know yeah. what the truth is. So give me the truth, and then you know, let's just see if that can fly within the organization. So, yeah, I think you're right. I think that's a big part of what we need to be doing for sure. Yeah, yeah there was this one, you know, uh, John, there's a CEO in Brazil who uh, shared an experience with me in the past and he said, you know, I was uh, I was constantly getting these leadership status reports that were telling me everything was fine, but yet I couldn't make sense of why there were still all these customer complaints. And it wasn't until one day he... T- <laughs> It took them by surprise. He actually started visiting some people in their homes, right? And the CEO uh, ran a telecommunications organization. He actually knocked on the door of a few people and, you know, he went in one person's house and sat down and listened to them complain and ramble on for 20 minutes about what was going on. And it was so different to what was being presented to him, right? Then, you know, he took that information, went back to his uh, leaders and, and basically gave it to him and told him, listen, you know, this is just not on. You know, this is the truth on the ground level. And they, and it just goes to um, the same example you just shared with uh, Chimneys, right, the CEO going out through the chefs and, you know, asking them for what's going on. And that's the best it's the best source of truth right yeah. down at the front line. Yep, absolutely. Um, you, you say uh, the successful execution of, of a project or a program requires a strategic, I'll, I'll put in quotes, a strategic use of the team, which includes employee engagement. So what do you mean by a strategic use of the team? So for a long time, it was just about, let's just hire and get the skills in. And you know, again, back to your point about those hard skills, right? You're just hiring for hard skills, end of story. So, you know, you're trying to solve the immediate need. Now, strategic use of the team is looking at beyond that. It's looking at what's the long-term vision for this team because this team going to come into the organisation whether there's a mix of external, internal, whatever it may be, but they're going to develop a lot of experience working on a transformation. Now, if you think of a two-year program or a three-year program, there's an immense amount of knowledge, artefacts, insights, learnings that are going to go into that team and that team's going to cost the organisation, or I want to say costs actual investment, but Ultimately, you know, if you're looking at it from a cost perspective, it could be multi-million dollars worth of investment, right? 
then what are you doing with that team moving forward? Are they just, you're going to let them roll off? Are you going to let those, if they're external, those contractors move on and go to another organization? Okay, you know, some some surely will, and, and that's the nature of it. But what's the strategic use, the long-term vision, the plan for that knowledge? How are you going to embed that? Bring that back into the organization. Make sure there's a continuity succession plan. Uh, what does the employee experience look like? Why not look at ways of, you know, um, you know, if, the, if you get an external contractor who comes in and, and really shows you an immense amount of value, why not look at ways of how you are going to retain them uh, for future work or in, in different areas of the organization? And I mean, I've seen some of the poor you know, in, you know, ways that organizations try to do this, they'll just go and say, oh, here's a permanent employee sort of type of offering for you at sort of 50% reduction of your rate. Well, that's not, that's not strategic use of the yeah. expertise that, that's been brought on board. So there's, there's got to be better ways of looking at how do you uh, bring back that knowledge and insights into the organization and look after them holistically as well from, as we said, that employee-centric view well-being view, et cetera, long-term. I like that a lot. Don't just focus on the now, focus on the future as well, too. That's an yeah, yeah. excellent, excellent point. Uh, because I always think that the future value, you know, an asset brings future value to a business, right? And we say, absolutely, we say our employees are an asset that truly are an asset if they're going to bring future value to your business. But if you don't treat it like an asset, like a strategic asset, like you said, then you're going to think, ah, labor to get this project done and then you know and, and you're you're not thinking about the big picture you know in terms yep. of what that employee can do over his lifetime uh with with exactly yeah fantastic yeah. um i wanted to just touch on this you you talk in the book about two aligned paths for leaders and i thought that was kind of interesting i haven't seen it put that way so i wanted to ask you about that what does that yeah mean? sure what does that look like uh, i think you know for, for this conversation john it's about how do you align the technical competency, that SME domain knowledge of a leader that they're coming out and bringing to the table, whether they're coming from sales or custom experience or finance, whatever area it may be, that's what I call one effectively aligned, you know, one path. And then how do you align that to the organizational goals and creating harmony in achieving collective results? And so that is the two aligned paths that need to come together and drive value for the organization. There is my technical domain competency, the expertise that I have, my talents, my strengths, et cetera. And then there's also the areas of opportunity for growth, not just for myself, but also for the organization. Mm. What does it look like from an employee-centric uh, organization? You know, for the past, we used to always talk a lot customer-centric organizations, but now this new normal is employee-centric, right? So how do I bring that together so that we have this harmony, we have this uh, single unit, as I should say. It's no longer my team, or my division, or my department. It is one unified organization with collective skill sets working on collective results. Mm, wow. Sounds like my second book, all in the same book. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that's all I talked about, was, was bringing bringing a team together to, you know, with one mission, one goal, mm -hmm. and, and, you know, and one, one group, there isn't an us and them uh, in that, yeah. uh, in that, 
you know, the the ideal organization I talk about in that book is that we we combine together all of our skills to be able to achieve a common goal. And that was easy to do in the military on a submarine. We knew what our mission was, like, go out there, protect the country and get everybody home safely. Everybody knew the mission, right? And we were all in it together, right? You know, if one sailor made a mistake, we all die. So we, it was very clear. It was one team, one mission, get home, get everybody home safely. And then then I came to corporate after my military time and realized that that wasn't so easy. <laughs> There's conflicting goals, conflicting priorities. Yeah. And like you said, the best leaders are balancing the two sides of the coin, which is competency uh, in their skill set, their expertise, but also managing the team towards a common goal. So it's the two sides of the equation. And if we don't, if we focus too much on just our competency, then we become doers and not leaders. And if we focus too much on the on the people side, and we maybe miss out on the competency side, we can make a lot of mistakes too. So we've got to, I like what you call it, the two-aligned path, the very important part of, of leadership. So I think that's very, uh, it's kind of an interesting um, uh, twist to that. Yeah, yeah. But uh, as, as you rightly said yourself, it's um, it's that, yeah, it's that alignment between those two key components and and. And, you know, the military example, I love that, uh, John, because, you know, that's all about trust and unity, right, which is yeah. that harmony that we're talking about. Yeah. Yeah, and it was natural for us. And it, I don't know if it's natural, but you're locked in a metal tube. We're, you're going to be on one team. <laughs> no place to yeah. go. But it's unnatural, yeah. I think, in big organizations. I think it's really hard because of the conflicting priorities. And this is my department. That's your department. I'm I'm in sales. I'm in engineering. I'm in marketing. And, um, and it's, and I found that, you know, running businesses, it, it was hard to bring everybody into one team and making one goal, uh, cause everyone had these conflicting priorities, especially in a big organization where we have a lot of matrix management. And so makes it much more difficult, but it's, but it's that much more important when you're in those kind of organizations that you, that you get this alignment and you get that harmony. Super important. I love that. Um, so uh, one thing I want to touch on, too, before we wrap up, you mentioned, I think this is really important, that that we have to have trusted external sources of advice uh, if we want to lead change effectively. What does that look like? What does that mean? I really like that. Mm. Well, I think that comes down to individuals that leaders have worked with that really bring to the table an external point of view, right? Um and sometimes because I'm in an organization for such a long time and, you know, I, um, constantly listening to maybe certain people, just by the nature of the relationships that have evolved, there could be areas or, uh, you know, blind spots, right, for lack of a better word right now. But those blind spots can help uh, become, I guess, clearer with trusted advisors, right? They can come in, see those blind spots and bring them into the picture. And one example of that is just, you know, we touched on, which is how do you bring that trust and transparency? Sometimes it's a bit hard to do that internally by yourself, whereas with the trusted advisor coming from an external point of view can help unpack those challenges and find the root causes as to why they may be lacking trust and why transparency is not uh, you know, there in the organization and and why the employee experience is not as where it should be. And they would reflect upon that and bring those insights to the table. So I think that's the message at a high level as to what I'm trying to articulate here. Yeah. 
Yeah, I know as a as an entrepreneur, certainly it's a lonely position when you start a company. And I think making sure that you do have people that you can rely on that gives you, you know, external people that give you really good advice uh, has been critical for us getting this company off the ground. Legal advice, um, you know, financial advice, uh, banking advice. Uh, and I think the other side is just having people that you can, uh, you know, like a mentor or someone that's a coach that can, you can say, uh, I don't, I don't know if I'm doing this right. You know, the team is sort of over here, I'm over here and, and, and what am I doing wrong? And just having that external, someone that you trust that you can have that conversation with so important to get your perspective, right? Cause it's easy to get blinders. It's easy to feel like you're all alone. So having, uh, uh, you know, someone from the outside that you could trust and talk to, I think is really critical for leadership success. Yeah, there could be like a story or an insight that's provided, John, that then helps the leader just go, oh, light bulb moment, right? And yeah. Yeah. that light bulb moment will be like, how do I apply that lesson or that learning or that experience in my own world? And that helps bridge the sort of gap, you know? Yeah. Oh, geez. I love that. And I, I've had so many aha moments in my life. So yeah. that one really resonated with me because I've had so many people say, you know, did you look at it this way? And you're like, Oh, I didn't think of it yeah. that way, you know, and just that one question can cause you yeah. to really think things differently. So it's nice to have yeah. that outside point of view, another set of eyes, another uh, perspective on our on a problem that you're facing. So absolutely critical. I love that. Um, any final messages you want to leave with uh, with the leaders who are listening into this conversation? I think the one key one would be just simply put the employee first and the rest will come. Uh, I think it's important for leaders to just prioritize the employee or holistic employee experience which encompasses employee well-being what's going on in their personal lives you know employees that are stressed in their personal lives aren't going to bring their best self to work right so if we look after our employees we we provide that full 360 degree view uh they will deliver their best performance and then ultimately as i said the rest will come those financial results that we're all sort of seeking will will start to be you know second nature Amen. I love that. <laughs> such a great, such a great important point. And uh, that's like the summary of the whole uh, conversation right there is uh, put your people first. I love that. Um, Stuart, how can people find out more about uh, you, what you offer, and of course, this this book that you have? Sure. Uh, so the book is on Amazon, uh, very easily uh, available on Kindle and both paperback. Um, it's priced quite quite reasonable, uh, in fact, on the cheaper side, because I really want to make sure that it's accessible to everyone. Uh, that's the point. And then secondly, the uh, yeah, if we'd like to find out more, it's just uh, stuartandrews.me. Very simple um, uh, URL. Perfect. We'll put uh, links to the show notes uh, in the show notes for those resources. And the book, again, is The Leadership shift. I said it right this time, the leader. Yeah, well shift. Done. <laughs> uh, and we're going to put a link in the show notes for that. Great book. I've been through it. It's just, it's chock full of really good practical advice for leading in this kind of new world that we're living in. And I love the emphasis on the employees. I love the emphasis on the holistic well-being of employees, something that is just missing. It, it, it's missing, but it's becoming more and more important for leadership. Uh, now in 2023. So Stuart, I really appreciate you coming on the show and sharing all of this insight. This has been great. John, it's been a pleasure. Thank you very much for having me. Uh, and, uh, yeah, look forward to speaking again soon. <laughs>
I agree. I look forward to it as well. Thank you very much. Take care. That's it. Well, that's it for today. Thank you for listening to Deep Leadership. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and share so we can continue to build a world with better bosses. Until next time, this is John Rennie saying take care and lead well. Thank you for listening to Deep Leadership. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for all you do. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. For more information and updates, please visit our website at www.deepleadershippodcast.com or johnsrenny.com. Until next time, take care. Welcome to the Candle Power Hour. Come with us backstage behind the scenes of show business spanning over four decades and bringing you the experiences that can only be told by the people who were there. Our guests are from the A-list, the F-list, and everyone in between. Get set for some of the most insane, hilarious, and inspiring stories you will ever hear. I'm Mercury. And I'm Diego. Your host for the, the Candle, Candle Power, Power Hour. Hour. Have you ever wondered what actually happens in Congress every day? Stay informed on Capitol Hill's daily happenings with a concise, factual summary of the Senate and House of Representatives activities from the previous session, free from bias, on the Congressional Record Daily Digest podcast. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and discover the process from the heart of U.S. politics. The Congressional Record Daily Digest, an Electric Cast production. Electric acid.